Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 233 of the Pixels Inc. podcast brought to you by CG Magazine. I'm Cody Orme, your host. Joining us is our editor-in-chief, Brendan Fry. Hello, hello, hello. How's it going, Brendan? Uh, I'm pretty good. Yourself? I'm doing all right. Nice. I'm sleepy, nice, but, nice. but I'm good. And joining us is former consistent face of the podcast, now voice from Skype, Jordan Biordi. Yes, hello. The man, the myth, the legend has returned. I've been, I've been away for a while. Feels feels good to be back. It's it's there's there's this like comfort knowing that you're back here. You know, it's nice. Even but if it's, it, it's nice to know I'm always like a like like a ringer. I was on the bench for a while because <laughs> it put me in. The backup <laughs> fill. Uh, for real. <laughs> if, if only we, we only one could only aspire to be a backup fill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some some big shoes to fill. <laughs> it's like the starting pitcher pun, went down. Unintended. Gotta... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, Phil had. Some uh, Phil had a lot of writing to do, and he couldn't make it. That's only fair, really. Yeah. But, with that being said, look out for... Uh, he's, he's writing a uh, a piece about Unbreakable. That should be neat. In like... I, yeah, I saw that. Unbreakable 3? No, no uh, that that's not... That wasn't it. He uh, he wanted to do a piece on... Because uh, he, he watched um, Split by M. Night Shyamalan. Okay. And uh, he really liked it. So, he wants... He he pitched a story about um, Unbreakable and how it's a really well, underrated movie. You know, it, it's so good. But to, just just to clarify what I meant, I saw like a news story. It was on Cinema Blend, and it was something about M Night talking about uh, Unbreakable Three. And I was like, when was there an Unbreakable Two? Um, I didn't think. Yeah, that, it weirded me out too. <laughs> was there an Unbreakable Two? I guess maybe like a straight not that I know of, but the articles like straight up said like M Night talks about Unbreakable Three, and I was like, what? Weird. That is really weird. I don't remember that at all. Maybe it was yeah. a typo. I'm um, maybe, but yeah, it, it just it, it gave me pause for a sec. <laughs> anyway, you got some got some of that that game news. Oh, we got me with game, some game news. news. And yeah, we well, I was trying to think of things that rhyme with news, but all I could think of was shoes, and I didn't know where to go with that. Blues, <laughs> game, game news, uh, you can use. Blues. All right, so to begin, we got the uh, the former rock star president Leslie Benzies. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Announcing uh, another open world game called working title is Everywhere. And uh, and that's exciting. He was talking about how it's like drawing inspiration from stuff like Red Dead and Grand Theft Auto, but you know, Grand Theft Auto is just Red Dead with horses. So you mean Red Dead is Grand Theft but, Auto uh, with horses? You know, that could be cool. Yeah, it's interesting that um, the interesting part of that is uh, he was talking about how it's uh, an expanding game. Yeah, see, I don't, but I, I like there's such little details on it like when i hear that the name is everywhere i think about that like other very ambitious um open world kickstarter project that failed where they actually wanted to like map the entire world oh damn yeah i never thought of that like i get i get the impression that maybe like yeah this is going to be something kind of like 
maybe like semi-futuristic like maybe big brother thing like everything is everywhere i don't know but it's such it's so like the what he said in general is just so like vague that it's kind of hard to really like get behind it right now anyway yeah no i'm sure we'll find out more as as this development goes along um i'm excited though i mean he's got a pedigree he's worked on on gta online um it's it's a name that that you can trust and i i can't help but feel too like with what gta 5 kind of did with that like simultaneous three character gameplay kind of jumping between different spots on the map at like an instant that maybe we might see some of that starting to play into this but be... again it's mostly speculation yeah uh, the only other thing we know about the game is that it's running off of lumberyard which is amazon's engine which is based off of the cry engine yes i believe so uh, what that means i'm not entirely sure uh, we we talked to I went to to Migs last year and they we talked to the, the rep that was there and they kind of yeah. gave us a rundown of how it works and and the benefits of using it but um, they seemed we got the press release actually from I believe it was actually from Amazon because they're using Lumberyard so I wonder how how Lumberyard's going along for them <laughs> if they have to make a press release for. I don't know. We'll find out. A it, game it, we know nothing about. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's the people involved is why they're releasing that press release. That could be true, too. Yeah. Um, I don't know a lot of games that are touting Lumberyard, but, um, I mean, a little high-end development can't hurt anyone. If it's anything like CryEngine, then the, the jungles are going to be very dense. Lush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The foliage is going to be incredible. <laughs> So what else do you got? Well, I have... Uh, it's a little story I punched up today. Okay, uh, let's hear it. A- according to Super Data Research, they project that the digital card, collectible card game industry is going to generate $1.4 billion in revenue That's in 2007. Sure, why not? That is humongous. Yeah. Um, I mean, it makes sense. You look at how popular Hearthstone is. Uh, oh my god, it's, it's so it's so popular that like, like I even said it. Like, so many people are starting to kind of piggyback off it and like starting to imitate. Like, you got the uh, Elder Scrolls Legends, Gwent coming yeah. out not too long, uh, not too like soon uh, from now. Uh, Skylanders did a card game. Like, every game is sort of trying even... to get like card elements in there somehow. I think there's a Yu-Gi-Oh one too. Well, Yu-Gi-Oh's been around for a while, so I don't know if it's fair to include it, but it maybe. Is a digital yeah, okay. card game, though. Yeah, like I, I'm pretty sure there's a digital card game for Yu-Gi-Oh, and I think there might be one for Pokemon. I could be wrong about that. I don't know about the Pokemon. I know Yu-Gi-Oh, I know Yu-Gi-Oh just has launched. One. Yeah. And especially because yeah. there's all these new ads out there. Yeah, it's, on, it's on my Facebook a lot. That's the thing that's like, it's so surprising to me, because I remember like, yeah, like you go back and think about when, I feel like when we were young, like, like this is maybe just my experience but like the whole card game like industry was was very like cult you know like like pokemon cards i remember collecting them and trading them but no one ever really got into the actual card game uh and you know i didn't know many people who played like magic the gathering but those were like the only two that i really knew about it was and it wasn't really until Yu-Gi-Oh and even like Yu-Gi-Oh when it hit the scene for me at least like it was still a very very small 
um like it's uh like player base yeah it was one of those things where it, it took a while for all the kids to kind of move on from uh from from pokemon and then they loved it but it it was a very short fad relatively speaking what and that's that's the thing that surprises me too is that it's, it's strange that like with with how successful pokemon go was that like you don't see um game freak or nintendo actually maybe getting on a pokemon like trading card game mobile game because they would probably make well, gangbusters off of that there are um every deck you buy there's an online uh download for it uh so i i think that's kind of their way of doing it so you can play online with people still with your deck oh really okay yeah so that's they, they, they should streamline it and like integrate it to the mobile so it's easier and then you know not not to perpetuate it, but if they got onto mobile, then the whole like freemium market thing is right there for, to oh, take yeah. advantage make of. A lot of money off that. I think the biggest problem is uh, you look at their user base; and it's a lot of children, and uh, I don't know how a uh, a free to play model would work, especially well, when you have the parents that would be shelling out all the you know the dollars. That's here, exactly dollars that's there. exactly why it works, right? It's because it's the kids. You never see an adult. Who pays like a thousand dollars for a mobile game? It's a kid oh, who like know. doesn't understand the concept of money. I know a few people <laughs> who have shelled out stupid amounts of money for Hearthstone. Oh Jesus! Oh yeah, it's uh, it's a problem. But I mean, it's kind of cool uh, to see such a weird kind of. It seems like a niche genre, but it's not. It's one of the most popular genres on the planet right now. Yeah, uh, and it's. I mean, well, like for one, it's really picking up i think too in the esports realm because like the, like i think was it hearthstone's like one of the biggest esports uh games around right now especially in like the asian markets yeah um and that and that's actually like one of the one of the the like pieces of data that came out of this story too is that like asia right now does is the largest um does have the largest like player base for digital uh card ga- games really but, yeah but mm. north america still has the largest for physical card-based games. It's well, weird. We're kind of behind the times. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wonder, does that include uh, games that still have the card element, but it's not the only part of it? Like uh, Smite uh, Rivals, for instance. It's I, you know what? The, the study itself, or the, the report itself, doesn't really speculate on that, because like the biggest um, game that it does use is Hearthstone. So I think okay. it might be the like maybe they it's singularly referring to games where the main element is collecting and using cards. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess that makes some sense then. Um I mean I I, I guess like even something like Smite uh Rivals would be considered in there because the cards are a huge element of it anyway. It's interesting yeah. though. Super Data always comes out with these cool uh like research bits. It's you know it's true and it, it blew my mind and I was actually saying to Brendan earlier because I lo- I went on to the website to try and see if I can get more data and there was like a link to actually like purchase the full study yeah you want to take a guess at how much it cost uh is it, it who I want to say fifteen dollars try <laughs> I don't know try twenty five hundred Jesus okay. <laughs> I was it blew my mind. Like that's that's the same thing. I was like, you know what? I think like fifty dollars would have been expensive, but that yeah. would have made sense. I didn't like, actually have multiply a multiply that real... by 
by 50. <laughs> I didn't have a realistic uh, number. I just I, I couldn't think of one, and then there was a delay, and everyone was looking at me. So I was like, okay, I don't know, 15. No, but I, you know, that, I, I would say that's a fair ballpark number for like just like a report. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. $2,500. That's a lot of money. <laughs> it's ex- information's expensive these days. Hey, I mean, that Here probably took a lot of work. Away for free. Yeah, it probably took a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, but $2,500 worth of work? Give me a break. That's true. I mean, you also have to factor in, like, how many people are, like, buying it. It's probably not a lot, so it jacks up the price. Maybe oh, wow. they get the monopoly on it. We can charge whatever they want. <laughs> That's kind of cool, though. Superdata is uh, a really valuable resource for people who want to kind of track the industry. Yeah, no, and you know what? I actually like didn't even know about it till like just now. I was like kind of browsing through it, and I was like, "Oh, like, geez, this is actually really cool." You don't see a lot of like really like in depth, useful uh, like websites for tracking like yeah like sales numbers and like figures for for the for the gaming industry but re- then again you know i i feel like maybe it wasn't as important as it has been and that like has been growing over the past few years so now you start seeing more of these these like websites and, and like like data figures that are actually like dedicated to presenting the industry because it's a huge industry now oh yeah for sure they um we we started uh working with them a lot lately um just uh like like they they they'll provide us with some information every now and then, um, and one of the things they sent us what was the VR one? Oh, I forget. Uh, it was like the, the PSVR did not reach its uh its expectations. The PSVR has about oh yeah, yeah. It, it was. But I mean that's 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 no surprise to me. You could have just you could have probably pulled that up from anywhere. Yeah, I think it's under a million it. sales right now. Well, sure. I mean VR still it's not viable yet. Yeah, but um, yeah, no. There, I I think. Uh, being able to track these trends is super important for uh not just for companies but for uh investors too and things like that oh yeah definitely and i mean even for just the average like average reader average consumer right like yeah that kind of transparency is so important like and that's been one of the biggest things with the video game industry you see a lot of developer or not developers mostly publishers who are uh their fan base looks at them like they're evil yeah, and a lot of uh, I would even hazard to say some journalists look at them like they're these gigantic, uh, horrible corporations, and it's because they're they're not as transparent about things like sales and things like that. They they I don't know. It's nice to have a third party kind of go out and look at the data like um, like the ESA does. Yeah, it's very important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that another cool one. Uh, if we're gonna keep on the topic of money. Uh, did you see how um, the, the video game industry is actually projected to – oh, one second. I shouldn't have started this sentence without actually like, looking it <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, this is, this is great radio here, Cody. Oh, you just God. need to pad it. Pad the time. Quick. Do a, do a jig. <laughs> <laughs> we got, where's the Cody loading song? <laughs> Load screen. Load screen. We are at the load screen. Cody's loading up his data load right screen. now. Load screen. Who wants to play a game? Yeah. Okay, well, will you while you find that information, I'll I'll move on. I'll segue this. Yes, please. A, just a smaller, easier talk piece with the um the announcement from Square Enix today was it that they yeah, were they... Uh, starting a, a partnership with Marvel, 
in uh, in 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 the first thing they're talking about is uh, is a is an Avengers game, and with with no real information to go on because all they showed was a bit of a trailer with someone who sounded like Scarlett Johansson, but I don't think actually was Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> um, kind of narrating that thing. So I guess we have that. I, I you know I, I I made the joke that we have uh, a semi open world RPG action RPG sold to us episodically, which would be great. <laughs> I look forward to in like 2030. I wouldn't mind a uh, another what was it like X Men Legends type game. I uh, like would ultimate love X Men Legends game. That would be. But awesome. since it's it's gonna be it's gonna be Marvel like the ECU right so like or the the, the MCU so it's pro I, I would I would wager a guess that they did something like that it would probably be like Ultimate Alliance. I could do that. Yeah, probably that's that's a little more realistic. But um, here is my thought. So if Square Enix now has officially partnered with Marvel and Marvel is owned by Disney and Disney is connected to Square Enix through Kingdom Hearts, you think we're going to get a little uh, little Avengers world in Kingdom Hearts 3? I kind of figured that would have happened anyway. I was say. really hoping for it, actually, and, and probably Star Wars. Yeah, I think that's that's, that's really a foregone cool. conclusion. Get a cool like lightsaber keyblade. Um, I found the story I was trying to segue into. Perfect. Now here's <laughs> the thing, I I was trying to segue into this story. I forgot the story, and then I tried to segue into another story, and that was the one about the um, the 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 revenue. I okay. cannot find it. It's too old now. But ah. the story I wanted to talk about, um. A partnership between Zodiac, uh, they're a cloud-based software platform provider, and Top House Media, they're a digital media company, uh, announced uh, a new um, – it's a way for marketer, or like marketers to track their users' spending habits. Hmm. Okay. So it'll be a way for um, – I'm trying to, like, exp- like dumb it down because it's kind of – it's kind of complex. So they, can, so they can track how people are buying games essentially and then, like – And then base their, their releases off of that. See, I support. think that's interesting, but that I feel that that toes a line in um, something that I think – because I don't think that that's, like, new – in the game industry, when you see like a lot of people or a lot of publishers kind of like almost like chasing the trend, you know what I mean? Like, like in the, in the sort of like in the mid two thousands, it was kind of like, uh, you know, every game was sort of like first person shooter, kind of gritty action focused. And you saw a lot of games like that. So I feel like if, if you, if you get into this realm where, people are sort of like okay like 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 watching the market data and seeing um you know who's buying what and how like it's gonna maybe funnel the industry too much and then you're just gonna see very like just samey games all the time i don't think it's as much of um the the content people are buying i think it's more of how they're buying so uh to quote helena who wrote the um the the article uh it says um so zodiac is a predictive 
Jeez, a Facebook thing popped up on my phone while I was re- trying to read it. <laughs> Again, pre- great radio. <laughs> a predictive <laughs> analytics company that forecasts. We're professionals. Well, like, th- I'm trying to read it, and then all of a sudden, like, a thing pops up across <laughs> the entire sentence I'm trying to read. Um, <laughs> uh that forecasts individual customer behavior, allowing companies to understand exactly which customers will buy again, how often customers will buy, and how much customers will spend on a brand over their lifetime. See, again, like that, that sounds cool to me, but it also sounds kind of scary. <laughs> I like it because it'll just mean that there's more content that's geared towards me or people like me. Um, I mean, they're both... Uh, both teams work with a bunch of different uh, companies in similar markets and different markets, uh, and it seems to work. So, I mean, it will be kind of cool to see if uh, – because it feels like, like you said, a lot of companies are tra- are chasing trends, but it almost feels a lot of the time that there's like a chicken with their head cut off. Like it's like, oh, people like – this they like x so let's make a whole bunch of x and then like it doesn't work well and it's like oh x doesn't work because people like x now or y now sorry well it's, it's yeah, really hard to figure out exactly what people want because people exactly change over time yeah, right? and it's also it's like the gaming industry is not a gigantic singular blob that just wants one thing no, exactly, right? So if, if, if it's like, if you have this system now that's like, oh, well, people like X, well, let's make sure everyone gets a version of X out at a certain time so people buy it, and it just, like, it feels like it might just water down stuff. Like, people aren't going to be like, well, we want to make, like, Y, but let's make X instead because that's popular right now and we need to, like, follow the market data. Well, let me throw a, a situation at you. How how useful would, have, would this information have been to a company like Nintendo when they were... Uh, when they were launching Super Mario Run. Uh, very possible. It could be very useful. That would have, I think that could have probably saved that game. I don't think that game's failing. It's, it's just, not failing. It's, it's just no, people it's don't want to spend so much money on, on a game, even if it is Mario. Uh, at least they don't want to spend it on a hand, on a mobile game. See, and that's, but that's not, I don't feel like, like that would have, like a something like a system like this would have saved Nintendo in that sense because it's not so much that um, it's the problem that people don't want to spend like or they don't want to spend money on on a runner just mm-hmm. because it's because it's Mario and it's on a it's 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 that conditioning that people have had this uh, this this system of mobile games being free and cheap and easily accessible so it's it's the idea that okay Nintendo actually made a pretty decent game and they like oh my god they have the gall to charge for it on a mobile how dare they like it's it's what keeps mobile from being a viable gaming platform because like it's that it's just the mindset of the gamers they don't want to pay for things on well mobile. I think the problem is when the when you have games sitting at two and three dollars it's hard to justify this game is five times as valuable as those games even yeah. though those games. They kind of went on the platform when the platform was designed for one and two dollars. So those games were outlandishly expensive. It's just the fact that that slow progression of moving the price up is having people that buy this phone as a way to buy hundreds upon hundreds of games, just kind of dump them, dump them after like five ten minutes. It's a little bit harder to kind of die fifteen dollars into a game when you don't really know what you're getting. Yeah, I, I think it's fair. I think it's uh, there's there's a huge mentality issue. Uh, from gamers as a whole and i don't know if it's something that mobile will be able to ever yeah. completely get out of you look at browser games yeah uh, for instance that's that's probably the closest example we have to what the mobile mobile scape is 
uh, and and you're you're not going to see many people paying to play a browser game. No, no definitely. I mean, people do pay for the microtransactions, but that's that's a free to play model. Pe- that's that, yeah. that's why the mobile Though, that works stuff so works well. in mobile. I don't believe the um, pay fifteen dollars, fifteen twenty dollars for a mobile game works. Because people view their phone as a disposable item. Like the, yeah. the games on phones are just kind of a thing you install and delete like a day or two. You don't really care. Because there's so many free games out there that are ad-supported. Why would you pay that $15 on a thing when you're not going to sit there and play a phone game for hours upon end? You're going to play it for like on your bus or whatever. Yeah, no, totally. That makes sense. I mean, that's not necessarily true. People will... Nowadays, people will pl- play an entire game on their phone. Yeah. But... That mentality of what you get out of a phone game compared to what you get on a DS or a 3DS or uh, a Vita or even like a home console is completely different. Yeah. It's an yeah. optics thing rather than a reality thing. And, and that's the weird thing because like, I played Mario Run for not like I didn't get a, a, a saw. Like, I maybe played it for like an hour uh, just at like by my cousin's house. And I, and, like, I had a, a good time. I can safely say I had $10 worth of fun on that thing. So and that's and that like you said, Brandon, that's the bad thing. That's what I I really wish that we could break that mentality because there's really no reason why your phone can't be like a substitute to like a DS, right? Like you have a miniature computer in your in your pocket. Like like you can run Grand Theft Auto three and Vice City on your phone. Like so, why wouldn't you want to have like you're not always gonna have a DS or or a Vita on you all the time, but you're never not without your phone. I think there's an interface issue too. Yeah, I mean the phones still have the problem of you don't want to slap on a controller, you don't want to slap on a weird case that makes you have a controller, and you don't want to have a subpar experience. And right now, phones feel kind of like an experience that has not been properly optimized, an experience that often does not work with modern game genres. Yeah. Like, a, a shooter on a phone doesn't work without a controller. And no, no one wants right. to pull up their controller, set it up on a little stand, yeah. get, your, get your thing. But that, that being said, that's kind of what the Switch is. Yeah, I was going to say Nintendo is sweating when you're talking about that. the Switch is banking on. <laughs> I think that's a little bit different, though. I think it's a, it's a mentality thing. Your Switch is made to do that. That's true. Um, so I That's think, and, and it's a it's a proper like console, quote unquote, right? Yeah, exactly. So I mean, the idea that okay, well, I can take this with me and I can set it up and do all that. Uh, I think if they can give the market a, I'm trying to to word this properly. If they can get into their buyers' heads that this is something that you can do, then they will be trained to think, yes, I can do this. Whereas Phones for the longest time didn't do that. You played yeah. Snake on them. Um, true. But I'm going to throw it out there. Tablets have been viewed as gaming devices, yet people still are unwilling to pay the $15, 20 for those games. Yeah. No, totally. You're right. Um, and that's and it's such a shame because you look at even the stuff like like with what like Fire Emblem uh, what was it Heroes is yeah. going to be like 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 it it really looks like Nintendo is actually trying to break that mold and and start offering legitimate games but here's the on thing. a mobile platform. I I think Nintendo is trying, and but then again, Square Enix has tried to a lot of the other lots of Square have. Enix puts a lot of effort into their mobile yeah, And I've heard really good things about Brave Exvius, too. Yeah. So Brave like... Exvius, you also have uh, Hitman Go, Tomb Raider Go, uh, Deus Ex Go. Those games are actually well-built puzzle games that are designed for the platform. You know, it's um, it's interesting. I was talking to... Um, 
someone from Noodle Cake, the uh, they're 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 a publisher, developer publisher, in in Canada. They're Are they working actually in Canada? On, yeah. Oh wow. Uh, they're working on bringing. Well, they they brought because when this comes out, yeah. Mist will be available. Um, Mist to the uh, Android, and he was talking about that that same issue where there's there's a mentality uh, where. Now it could have been uh, Rand Miller, the the creator of Mist. Sure. I don't want to say that's his actual name, and then turns out it wasn't. So I'm going to do a quick Google search. Uh, um, anyway, he uh, one of them was saying that uh, yeah, it was Rand Miller. That was that's his name. I don't know if it was him or the other person I interviewed that was saying um, there's there's that mentality where a game comes on uh, an, a, a phone and then it gets ported to PC and it's oh this is a lesser experience because it came from a phone and now it's available on PC yeah. uh, whereas a, a, a PC game comes to a phone and it's considered this big yeah, uh, big deal and that makes no sense because obviously the game was able to run on PC and your mobile device because yeah. that's all it required but there's still that that consumer mentality. Mm-hmm. What are you doing over there? I'm trying to unlock my phone. Getting problems there? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. So I'm using uh, the. Uh, can I talk about it now? Yeah. Yeah, when this goes live, I can talk about it. Uh, I can talk about it now, actually. Um, I'm using the Exxon 7 Mini and to uh, kind of streamline my process, I was like, oh, okay, I'm just not going to use the fingerprint scanner. Yeah, yeah. And it turns out. You should use the fingerprint scanner. <laughs> it's a pain to unlock this thing. Uh, you have to like solve a puzzle and yeah, answer like like the the like the the, the puzzle from like like the dark crystal, and then you have to go through like a labyrinth. And it's it's not even that. Um, you know when you go to unlock your phone, it's like a swipe. Yeah, like like on every other phone. This one is you hold your thumb down on the screen until it decides. All right. <laughs> sometimes it takes three minutes sometimes it takes a day well it looks like like it keeps looking like it's okay so i lift my thumb off and then like my lock screen drops over again it's like god damn it i just want to unlock my phone see because i'm still rocking the note four and it like has the thumb scanner but it's like so temperamental that i never use it and there's like certain apps like like banking apps that I have that like require you to use the thumb scanner and it just takes like seven hours to try and get it to work. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's true. So I was trying to unlock my phone because I want to say the guy's name right. Cause I believe it was the person from noodle cake that said it, not Rand Miller. Uh, Ryan Holowati. I might've butchered his last name. He's, he I'm works sure at, you are, he yeah. works at noodle cake. He was, I believe it was him that said, uh, he was the one that brought up that that mentality with gamers and and the handheld de- like your mobile devices, and it's sad because you look at um, just like there's so much potential uh, in terms of market size and everyone has a phone. It should it shouldn't be like that, but it is. But no, it was established like that now. So now it's like it well it's been f- like we've had these small pared down free to play experiences forever. So why would we start paying for them now? Exactly. Um, one of our writers, Andrew Coe, is actually uh, writing a, a, a piece about the, something like this, that Mario Run could essentially be um, the braid of 
the 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 Android or not Android the the app and store. wasn't wasn't mm. like the biggest Infinite Runner game the Temple Run game like isn't that free to play too it so is. like it is kind of that thing but you know so what like there's uh, Sonic Dash there's so many good things like there are things about Mario Run that I look at and I'm like this should be in an actual Mario game like it's so well put together yeah yeah I don't know hopefully hopefully we can break out of that. Because even there, like, I was actually, got like, when I saw, like, like uh, when I saw the Fire Emblem thing, I was like, okay, that looks cool. I could see myself, like, you know, hopping into that very quickly, like, on the bus or whatever, just, like, playing a quick round of Fire Emblem and, and having a good time with that. I'm against it, but I could see it working. Well, that's okay. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I understand I like why. I like, probably... these, I like seeing more of these, like, these established properties end up on mobile because there's really no reason why they can't be on a mobile platform. Now, here's my thing when it comes to Nintendo. You have the Switch, which is a home console, but let's be honest here. It's also a mobile console. Yeah, it's sure. gonna be a mobile console too. It's, it's a mobile. I think didn't they even say that it's like a mobile console first? Really? No, they said it's home console first. Here's the thing: they okay. they talk they they're talking about how it's gonna coincide with the 3ds, and I believe that that is not the case at all. You look at the uh, the the tech inside of the 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 device, and it is a cell phone, um, like a very good cell phone, but it's still it's not a. Uh, an impressive piece of tech. It's like a low-tier NVIDIA laptop from what I was reading. It's no, still... it's, it's not an NVIDIA laptop. It's, it's equivalent to the NVIDIA Shield, basically. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, so it's, 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 a, it's, it's essentially a smart device. Um, you're going to have Nintendo making games for their Switch, which is, which is essentially a smart device, for the 3DS, which is a mobile device, and for uh, mobile... And they think that there's not going to be a congestion in the market? See, that does worry me a little bit. I mean, I think it worries me more between the Switch and the 3DS. Because, like, like we said, like the, the mentality for the, for the mobile thing is that I don't think like, like people are going to be like, whoa, how would I get, I'm not going to get Mario on a Switch. I have it on my phone. Like, I experience people literally doing that, though. But that, that, but that again, I think, and we've talked about this. That that comes from a general lack of knowledge from the audience. Like, like I've seen a lot. Of, I've seen a lot of people too, sort of like go into game stores and they and they don't know what they're talking about. And you have to go over them and be like, well, no, like this isn't the same as this. And you know, and, and if you just you know break it down, these things are two completely different products. But like, I think, and I think we talked about this too, Cody. Like. It's it's that divide between having a Switch and a 3DS because people are going to be like, well, why would I get a 3DS game when I have this better portable console? Right, right. And it, and it bums me out because the way that games are designed for a handheld like the 3DS are so much different than what you would put on what is essentially a portable, like... Uh, I don't know PS Vita times two kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like, like, like the way that something like um, you know, okay, Spirit Tracks, for example, is designed as opposed to like Breath of the Wild. Like Breath of the Wild is going to be a legitimate big scale Zelda game that you could just happen to take on the go. Whereas Spirit Tracks was something that was specifically designed to be pared down and fit that kind of like more mobile focused. Uh, like platform yeah well i think so, it's because nintendo is going to phase out the 3ds i know they're I, not going to say it right now i think they want to hold off and see how the switch does yeah because what they could potentially do 
Because right now the 3DS is the one thing they know they can bank on. Their oh, yeah. games sell well on the 3DS. People are still buying the 3DS. It, it was a good holiday season for the 3DS. Mm-hmm. Um, what they're, If the, the Switch comes out and it's supposed to be a replacement for the Wii U and the 3DS mm-hmm. and it doesn't sell, yeah. what you've done is people aren't going to buy things for the 3DS anymore because its replacement is out. People aren't going to buy the Switch because it's a failure. And it's not going to have anything. Like, that kind of mentality. So they're trying to play it smart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with that being said, I, I, I'm I, still kind of confused. I, mm. I think that it is going to replace the 3DS, though. And I'm... I agree with you 100%. I, I do not doubt that it's going to, like, in time. Like, like they, they like they did say, you're right, that they don't plan to phase it out now. But, yeah, like, it. I don't, I don't like... I have no illusions that people will probably get to that point where they'll be like, well, why don't why do I need a, a lesser powered handheld console when I have a Switch? Well you also and hear my Switch things, can play Skyrim. You also hear uh you know, like I think it was Miyamoto who said it, it might have been Reggie. It could have been someone else completely, I, I can't remember now, uh saying that, oh well no, we are planning multiple Zelda games for the Switch. That's not gonna happen unless they're smaller, you know, three D S style Zelda games. The three D S had one, two, well, two remakes, a Three full remakes. Well, yeah, well, uh, it depends on how much you want to include A Link Between Worlds as, like, a remake, quote-unquote. Well, I was talking about uh, it had Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, and then yeah. uh, A, a Link Between Worlds is a whole new game, and then they had um, Heroes, <laughs> Triforce Heroes. Yeah. And uh, that, to me... That's how I imagine them saying, oh, okay, we're going to have multiple Zelda games. It'll be smaller tier things you would find on the 3DS. I could just be reading right way too into a quote, but I just I can't see them both being there at the same time. I don't know. I, I don't I don't wholly disagree with you. I mean, I want to believe it because, like I said, like when I play something like um, uh, I think it was like Fantasy Life, right? Fantasy yeah. Life kind of is like is trying to be this like kind of open world rpg like but it's the way that it's designed and pared down to such a small scale or even for a better example is like yokai watch right like if yokai watch were to come out on like on the switch it would probably feel like this huge big experience but when you play it on the 3ds it has that big world feel to it with like a small scale design so just like it just feels different yeah no, totally. I, you know, I actually think that if there was a game from the 3DS that could have worked on, I mean, aside from Tamadachi Life, uh, that could have worked on, on mobile, uh, it would have been Fantasy Life. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Fantasy Life, because Fantasy Life ha- had big ambitions. Well, there you go, having that men- predisposed <laughs> mentality that you can't, you can't have know. big I just, ambitions. I feel on. like, because like, you would have to pare it down in a, in another way to make it work on mobile. And I don't know if I would, uh, I don't know if it would have worked the same. Maybe, I don't know. Got any anyway. more news? Yeah, I got, I got lots of stuff. I got something that you're gonna like, Cody. Oh, I don't know if you saw this. You must have seen this, but maybe. So you know the. Uh, music app that everyone enjoys i never use it spotify yes do you use it in your day-to-day activity i do occasionally did you know that sega just added a whole bunch of like game soundtracks to it what yeah they added a whole bunch they added stuff from like alex kidd and knights and jet set radio and outrun and naturally they put sonic stuff on there 
Yeah. So just a few of the few of the That's... tracks is uh, Sonic Boom from the intro to say, uh, Sonic CD. Yes. They have the Pumpkin Hill rap. Of course, the classic. <laughs> that is not dated at all. Oh no, and it's not like it's not like we anyone didn't like that song because you have to listen to it for six hours when you go with those stupid knuckles segments. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, like, as as a guy who who really actively enjoys game soundtracks, I think I have more game soundtracks on my phone than I do, like, actual legitimate music. Like, this is just fun to me. I like to see more, like, I like to see gaming soundtracks actually being taken a little more seriously. And if you're going to put them on something like Spotify where, like, anyone can access them or even just find them by accident, like... It's it's a cool thing to me. It's it's such a it's such a unique style of music, I think. Oh yeah, totally. I um especially like Sega has such an iconic soundtrack for, oh, for they, most yeah, of their definitely. people talk about the, the sound capabilities of the, the Genesis and they're just flat out wrong. Um, well, it, it it was limited. Like, let's not let's not like get too ahead of ourselves. But I think like you are right. Like, it, there were certain things about the way it sounded that was like so distinctly different from yeah. anything that Nintendo put out. Yeah, um, they made it work. And oh yeah, hundred percent. You'll be happy. No, I'm going to share a little bit of a personal story real quick. Okay. Uh, Jordan uh, gave me the soundtrack uh, for Sonic Generations. I did. And um, I actually just uh, – because I I went through, like, two phones the last two months. Um, I just recently uploaded all of the uh, Sonic Gen stuff onto my phone and still City Escape. That's so good. (laughs) (laughs) The 90s version where they did the classic one. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so good. So good. (laughs) That's what I mean. Like, I love listening to the Sonic Generation soundtrack because, like, it's it's such a trip – when you're listening to these old school tracks that you know, like down to like the 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 the, the bone of like just how they work, and then hearing them updated, yeah, like as songs that would be something from like the 2000s, like it's so it's so unique. And then in in reverse too, you hear songs from like the older like the the newer Sonics that are like really like well done and well put together, and they're like like well structured, and then they remix them to make them sound like they're from a, a Genesis, like yeah. It's so it's so it's so cool. <laughs> uh, I I liked the uh, I can't remember which one it was, but uh, the one thing that they the one technique they kept doing for uh, the newer ones that were made to sound older was they tra- they switched to the drum track to sound like it was yeah. on the Genesis. <laughs> that yeah, because the Genesis had my favorite like drum beat sound. <laughs> yeah, I can't it even was, describe it, was, it properly. But it's, it's weird because it's like it's like it's almost like surreal. Like it doesn't sound like it doesn't even sound like a synthetic drum. Like yeah. it is very like distinctly Genesis. <laughs> yeah, that's the only way you can describe it. The Genesis drum. Well, we all know that Genesis does what Nintendo don't. <laughs> what any other sound? Yeah, does. exactly. <laughs> the other one I loved from the uh, from that soundtrack was um, the 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 new updated version of the Chemical Plant. Yes, I don't know. I, personally, I still really like the classic version. Oh yeah, so do I. Because to me, the classic version actually this is the, and the weird thing I've always felt is that because because like it's like very very widely I think been debunked that like Michael Jackson did work on a lot of the songs for Sonic Three. Yeah, but if you go back and listen to Sonic 2's soundtrack, it actually sounds a little bit more like what I think Michael would have come up with. And I think like yeah, Chemical yeah. Plant Zone to me is that one like that's actually sounds like something I feel like like is very Michael Jackson. Yeah, I can, I can see, see that. It. Yeah. Um, 
we're gonna we're we're trying to make this a little bit more of a uh, a streamlined episode because it's super late. Um, <laughs> yeah, we we, caught, we had a bit of technical difficulties getting this set oh, up. Geez. So um, <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna skip over movie news uh, because also Phil's not here and he didn't watch anything. Uh, but we're gonna jump into what you've been playing. Playing anything good? What, what you've been playing, guys? I've been oh man, I've been I've been out of it for a little while. <laughs> oh really? Okay, I can talk about. Uh, I started. Well, I reviewed. It's up on cgmagonline.com now. I reviewed Real Mist for. Ow! I just smacked my arm. Um, for Android devices, and uh, I mean it's Mist with touch controls, and um, Neat. it's yeah. I mean. It's pretty cool. I it's it's missed. Uh, and, now, and now it's on your phone, so I mean the access to the internet is just right there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, you don't I have to spend a day solving a puzzle. There is a lot of like meta in there now, like playing it, and you pick up this page, and there's a person like on the page with like this digital recording telling you something. It's like whoa, that's, that's cool. That's, that's kind actually of... kind of neat. Yeah, I would love to see a modern day Mist. Like, I feel like Mist is is really one of those like underrated cult games that like I think would work better nowadays with more like modern gaming sensibilities. I think so too. Um, I mean, this one is pretty cool in the sense that it's um, it's based off real Mist, not real Mist. Don't get them confused. <laughs> real Mist. Real Mist. No, no. There's real Mist, and then there's real Mist. One has oh, a so space like in between. Okay. Real What's mist. the difference? The real mist, the one without the space in between, is the one on the mobile. Real, the real mist, mist is has a space in between the two words, and that was an update in 2000 to the uh, to the game where it's uh, it's it's fully 3D. Um, but what's cool about the one I reviewed is that it's based off the the fully 3D world, but it also offers. Um, like complete uh you can you can actually move around completely it's not uh point and click okay cool i mean now now you have to keep in mind there are certain things holding it back i played it on a phone and not a tablet and as soon as i installed it on my phone uh and i saw the instructions on how to move they were using a tablet and i'm like oh this is gonna be not fun for me does it have that problem where like the controller like kind of no sticks are like really tight no no it wasn't even that um like just as soon as i saw the that the tutorial the person was using a tablet i was like oh god this wasn't meant for a phone and it can play on a phone the problem is uh that to move you tap the screen you hold the screen okay so you immediately in that direction too so you immediately have this your hand in the way (laughs) <laughs> oh okay, um, yeah now it, it was a it was a very faithful port of of the game it's a classic game um it looks good for for something that you'd find on on mobile there are some i found some like sound and visual issues uh were the biggest ones they it looks and sounds like it's from the 2000s that's not to take away from the the soundtrack which is still great and haunting uh but there were those things and then there's like the odd uh, there'd be the odd glitch where uh, your character would like kind of freak out sometimes. He would his his gaze would like just sort of wander somewhere else. <laughs> a little odd. Um, or one time he just kind of backed up for no reason and he got stuck in like a corner. Um, <laughs> odd to say the least. Yeah, I mean it's weird stuff like that, but it's still Mist, and Mist is a, a fantastic game that. Uh, whether or not you play real mist or the original mist it it holds up very well 
and and that goes a long way because uh, it's so minimalist, right? There's mm-hmm. there's not a lot you can do to mess up a game that's doing so little, especially when you're porting into something that like, yeah, it was a point and click adventure. You're moving it to a, a device where you literally tap things. Um, I've played games like uh, like Gunstar Heroes, for instance, that moved to mobile, and it wasn't. It really sucked. It really it hurt me to play those games. Oh yeah, or even... but Gunstar Heroes is the kind of game that realistically, like, it's like, like I've I've always felt this way with a lot of like emulated games on mobile. If you're not like, if you're not playing with a controller, it's just not fun. Yeah, no, totally, and that's 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 the case. Even like Sonic the Hedgehog had uh, has has his mobile ports at. Yeah, that and the, the button garbage. inputs just don't feel as responsive. Yeah, exactly. But with that being said, um, Mist is. Is, is good and and you should get real missed because because it's it good should, it's a game that shouldn't be missed <laughs> that was pretty awful <laughs> and with that thanks everyone for listening yeah that, that works <laughs> for more content like this check out cgmagonline.com uh you'll see my review for real mist yep uh there is what else is up there there's Lots. stuff it's just lost. This is uh, Brendan had an interview with, with, with DCUO. Yeah, the the guys from Daybreak. Daybreak, yeah. That uh, they make DCUO, DCU Online, uh, talking about you know the free to play business model, mm-hmm. how how they've they've evolved the game, um, all that kind of stuff. It's it's good. Yeah, it's it is. Good. We've got. I don't know. We've got stuff coming up. There's lots, lots <laughs> of stuff. There's a lot going on. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at cgmagonline.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Cody underscore Orem. Brendan. Bfry26. And Jordan. Ninja Jordan underscore. I forgot about that weird underscore. It's weird. I I know. I don't want (laughs) to. If you feel bad that you didn't hear the the sensual voice of Phil Brown. So sensual. (laughs) uh, Tweet at him. At that Phil Brown. Let him know you miss him on the Pixels Thing podcast. And you can follow us on sweet movie reviews. We, yeah. didn't, we need to know how to think. Yeah, I need to know how to feel about things. But uh, <laughs> angry at all times. Yeah, I, I feel like general apathy. That's, that's maybe that's what you should feel. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and don't it's forget to follow good. us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash/comicsgamingmagazine and YouTube at CGMag Online. And we will see you next week. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye.